Welcome to the Get Healthier Podcast with Rena Jadhav, who's on a quest to uncover breakthroughs and cures in living longer, healthier, and happier. Genetic testing, stem cells, rattling, talking to Silicon Valley geniuses and the best doctors in the world about the hottest products and programs to make you live an amazingly joyful life. Are you ready? Now, here's your host, Rena. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very exciting episode today where we are going to talk about only women and the women's challenges that we all face once we cross 35. I am talking about the big M word, menopause. For those of us who've sort of already experienced that initial transition phase, one of the biggest challenges is how do you maintain your sanity? How do you maintain your sensuality and how in the heck can you maintain your svelte figure? Those are some pretty big challenges for us women. And of course, the rise of chronic illness. It almost seems like most people I chat with, most women I chat with, they have all the normal issues of chronic illness after 40 from whether it's diabetes or cholesterol or fatigue or heartburn, migraines, and of course, the gas bloating indigestion and the really, really, really hard time losing weight. So I thought, why don't we do a podcast that's just focused on women and specifically on women going through these challenges? And I looked around to see who could I find that could really help answer these questions in a holistic, meaningful way, not in a prescription, not just with hormones that are applied or inserted or swallowed. And I looked around and I found someone amazing. I am so excited today to have with us Acharya Shunyaji. And, and I do have to admit actually that Acharya Shunyaji has come to my home and done a heel circle for us. So I actually do know her personally and I know what an amazing aura she has. But for those of you who don't know Acharya Shunyaji, she's an internationally recognized spiritual teacher, an ordained lineage holder, an authoritative scholar of the Vedic sciences of Ayurveda, Yoga, and Vedanta. Her latest book is an absolute bestseller, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, and it's a complete prescription to optimize your health, prevent disease, and live with vitality and joy. It's actually inspired by her own life journey. She is also the founder of Vedica Global. You can find the website online to stay in touch with her. And she's the president of the California Association of Ayurvedic Medicine. Shunyaji, welcome. What a pleasure. So let's start with your interest in Ayurveda. Share with those listening to this podcast a little bit about your background. I know your background could be a series of books by itself. You have such an incredible lineage. But share just a little bit about yourself before we dive into your recommendations and your incredible books recommendations for women in menopause. And I'd love to go through how do we maintain our mental sanity? How can we get healthier and fitter and thinner? And then, of course, how can we still maintain our sensuality and our happiness in the bedroom? Absolutely. Um, to begin with uh, my life story, I can just say this, Rena, that I must have been chosen to dance with this knowledge, Ayurveda in this lifetime, because I was not only born in a family of healers and master spiritual teachers who lived Ayurveda and dispersed this knowledge throughout, uh, you know, Uttar Pradesh, this um, 
state from northern India where I come from. But then I myself developed a condition where I couldn't walk. Uh, I could, couldn't even breathe without pain. Mm-hmm. And much later, I was diagnosed, much later, many years later, in my 30s, I found out that I actually do have a genetic challenge and autoimmune condition that wants to challenge me and my life quality, uh, you know, with pain and inflammation. But back then, uh, that condition and its flare up when I was in my teens became a doorway for me to take what already existed in my parampara or in my lineage to own it and make it my lifestyle, make it my living body of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And uh, I healed myself. And you've seen me. Mm -hmm. You know, I I walked into your door. I drove my own car. And this condition puts people in wheelchairs or, you know, in serious um, condition where their life quality gets compromised. But, you know, Having a teacher in my own home in the form of my grandfather, who was a legendary master teacher, to to take me on as a student and then for this disease to be my teacher and then for me to, you know, somehow find myself on a world stage where I talk to governments, I talk to, you know, state heads, I talk to just about everybody who has to do with alternative medicine and Ayurveda. I, it's become really clear that my personal mandate in this world is to bring authentic Ayurveda wisdom forward, the wisdom that is steeped in the spiritual consciousness of the Vedas and gives us such a hopeful, uh, you know, um, hopeful dream that comes true, that we can have good health of body, mind and soul. Thank you so much for sharing that. What are the principles for, of Ayurveda for those who are listening to this podcast for the first time? Simple, that um, please stop um, excluding yourself from nature. You are a part and parcel of nature. And all those laws that are affecting the trees and the plants in your backyard are also influencing us, whether we choose to ignore them or be unconscious of them or try to create a virtual universe. But sooner or later, in spite of all our technological advancements, we will have to return back to nature and try to understand her. And Ayurveda says that we're all woven with the same five elements, uh, which is Mm -hmm. space, air, fire, water, and earth. And the increase or decrease of these elements through our food, through the mental stimuli, through our speech, through our interactions and engagements with the world of people, animals, and nature, um, that will end up, uh, you know, depleting us or uh, keeping us healthy. And uh, Ayurveda likes to, you know, teach us many things, such as how to be in sync with the rhythms of nature, be in sync with the rhythm of you know, the change in the sunlight across the sky. So diurnal rhythms, solar rhythm, you know, nocturnal rhythms, seasonal rhythms. Um, what does that have to do with our brain, our gut, our physiology, everything? And Rena, you know now that Western medicine is now corroborating this, that indeed Absolutely. there is a huge impact of chronobiological rhythms on even the way our liver, you know, processes our food or the way our heartbeat 
you know, is in um, rhythm. And the ancient sages had been telling us about it. And for them, this was not new knowledge. And in fact, they prescribed a whole beautiful lifestyle of wisdom of how to live it in such a beautiful way that our whole being is in orchestration, beautiful music with nature. And disease, if it starts, gets, you know, dissolved. Even if it's chronic, it becomes manageable or even improved. And we can also prevent diseases of the future. So well said there. When we look at menopause, what is Ayurveda's perspective on menopause itself? Ah, the big M word, as you said. Yes, because in Western culture and, in, of course, in our conventional medicine, we look at medicine, I think, quite differently than the Eastern traditions do. So I'd love for you to share, you know, how does Ayurveda even view menopause or that time of transition? So menopause is um, actually a natural transition of the Uh, female biology and physiology, and it should ideally not cause distress symptoms, ideally. And so um, it's a natural transition, just like a woman is born, a young girl is born, an infant, a toddler, into her teenage, pre-puberty, puberty, through, you know, child, um, childbearing, you know, years. And then comes the time for menopause. And menopause, according to Ayurveda, is a time where her um, inherent fertility and her inherent femininehood is going to go into deep ripening and changes. And if we were listening to nature's calls and if we were eating seasonal diets all along and if we were making sure that the elements are in balance within our body to begin with, then menopause is like seamless. It just happens naturally. And what the woman finds is that though she can no longer probably conceive or bear a child, but her beauty sustains for a long, long time. And there are some new um, inner creativity because that, that, you know, that, that, um, that scope of, Fertility, according to Ayurveda, when that fertility is really Shakti, it's power. And if it's not consumed in creating babies, it can move upwards and create books and, you know, art projects and science and community upliftment things. So this is not the end of the womanhood. In fact, it's a refinement and it's like a promotion. It's like, okay, you're done with conceiving babies, but now can you conceive, I, you know, even more for this universe? And this should be seamless. But what has happened is that um, you know, it has become more and more symptomatic. And medical fraternity for a long time just, you know, poo-pooed it. Like, you know, it's like the woman and her histrionic ideas. That's right. Mm-hmm. But that's very sad because every woman who's gone through that can say, indeed, there is often hot flashes. There is, you know, aches and pains. There is moodiness. There is, you know, change in the cycle. And, uh, you know, there are sometimes uh, she doesn't recognize herself and her mm-hmm. body. And it's like, what's going on? And But Ayurveda recognizes it. Ayurveda is wisdom and it has 
originated not in a laboratory or a test tube, but by working with women in real time, mm-hmm. Rina, thankfully. Mm-hmm. So Ayurveda says that fear not, come back to Mother Nature and start eating diets that cool down fire and from your, you know, from your diet. So it should not add more fire. So a typical tea, a, a ginger tea, even ginger mm-hmm. is, you know, a product of nature and it contains more fire. Garlic contains more fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, spices contain more fire. A wine would contain more fire. So what we want to do if we are being stressed with menopausal symptoms is to really look for more cooling foods and actually then cool our foods too by, for example, adding cooling foods like coconut mm. or, uh, you know, or garnishing it with marigold uh, petals or rose petals or add or taking more cooling spices like fennel. So you can reduce some of the fire increasing agents in your diet and we can enhance the more cool cool inducing agents in our diet and i can tell you within one week um a person can expect to see a difference in the amount of hormonal activity in the body because hormones are related to the fire element and so and how much fire element we consume is really up to us and we change our food based upon knowledge such as listening to this podcast and you know reading the book etc we don't have to keep suffering we can make it effortless so diet is one way and then we can keep talking some more but it does make a radical difference and you know when i came to united states and i'll end with that rena mm-hmm. um, this was in when did i come here say two decades ago and two and a half decades ago and when i first started working with people with ayurveda I mean, a bulk of, you know, people who move towards natural medicine and new ways of understanding the body are women. And they're often, you know, 30 plus, because when you're young, you're so smitten with other things in life. Mm-hmm. And I would say nine out of 10 women were dealing with menopause. And I'm happy to tell you that nine out of those 10 women every time found relief with Ayurveda's ancient tried and tested wisdom. And I'm one of them. I have to admit that it was a pretty tough first six months, but Ayurveda's principles of eating cooling foods and removing certain foods and adding certain herbs has completely eliminated, I'd say, over 90% of my symptoms to the point where I really don't feel like I'm in menopause at all anymore. So I'm, I'm one example of someone for whom it absolutely did work. I loved what you said, Shunyaji, the perspective, the filter, the glasses through which we view menopause in Ayurveda is very different. It's not that it's the end of your creative, beautiful, productive life, that it's actually the beginning of your act two. It's almost like if you were to break your life into act one and act two, I actually think you can break your life into three acts, right? Act one is sort of when you're a child and you're learning Act two is when you become a producing member of society, you get married, you start working, you have children. And then act three is when you are done with all of that to to a large extent in terms of raising your kids, you menopause, and now you can focus on being the best that you can be for yourself. It's really inner reflection and 
and I hadn't heard it this way before where you can now leverage that Shakti, that creative power to create new things. So it's, it is another act. It's a whole new chapter of your life. And again, as an example of one, I can definitely say for me personally, it absolutely is a whole new book that's being written. I feel like I've closed the book on the previous act and now there's a whole new book that's being written, um, post transition. So thank you for sharing that. That's a, it's a far more positive, hopeful way of looking at menopause than I think the way the Western world puts it, right? Like you look at pictures, you go to Google and you Google for menopause and you look at pictures and it's all these miserable looking dried out women with white hair. And that's not true. That's completely not true. Um, so it's, it's, it's very nice to hear you say that that's, that there's, it's actually a beautiful time of hope. That is, uh, yes, that picture is not true. And a lot of these women whose pictures we are noticing for menopause, you know, frowning, scowling, yeah. looking dehydrated, yeah. is these people are probably having everything wrong in their life anyway. And, you know, and then they become role models for what menopause should be. And then they kind of become suggestions for what menopause should be. Mm -hmm. So then you need to look at women like you and me who are radiant and glowing and beautiful and, exactly. and, and getting more compliments every progressive year than ever. And I have found that um, so sexuality or the sexual energy is actually a potent Shakti because please understand that when it's moving downwards and outwards, it can create a clone. It can create a whole human being. Now imagine when nature says, okay, you're done. Thank you. Now you can have this energy for you. And then what you do with this is up to you, but half the time, because you know, it, you know, what we think creates our reality and society has certain thoughts. And so one of the reality that we're all creating, and it's not because we are mental, but it's a fact that we are eating diets that are not, you know, nature friendly, that are not always seasonal, that don't have this knowledge of the five elements. And we are so, you know, we've outsourced what we should eat to magazine articles and TV shows and so you know, who does the better marketing. So we're so out of touch with our own reality that when nature wants to give gift us women back our sexuality and gift us back with sexuality, our 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 deepest creativity are it is gifting us back our original fertility. We actually fritter it away. And then we get on to, you know, you know, unfortunate courses of medication. We all know about it, like the estrogen replacement therapy and what that did to women. You know, instead, we can go, we can turn towards a mothering, nurturing assisting system of medicine and true healing such as Ayurveda, which is steeped in the spiritual Vedas, the way I teach it. And then, uh, you know, rediscover ourselves. And of course, we gently assist our body, such as there is an herb called Shatavri. It's a root. We can actually grow it in our backyards. It grows so well in, you know, California weather or anywhere which gets six hours of sun. And that root you know, if you mix it with milk and drink it once a day, cow milk, goat milk, or even rice milk or almond milk, and if you mix it and take it, Shatavari um, um, reintroduces our body 
with all the vital, uh, you know, essence that uh, or estrogen, but natural. But it's not estrogen, but mm. it's like it's like it gives us uh, whatever we are losing during menopause. And so one can feel even more beautiful and wonderful. So there is some knowledge to be curated. Mm-hmm. And definitely we cannot curate it in the course of a podcast. But I think what you're helping your audience know is that there is another door. And there are millions of women opening that door throughout the world, not Absolutely. just in India. So if they're being introduced to it for the first time, I welcome you to this portal. Your life will change. You know, for the better. Yes. For the better. Exactly. Yes. You'll get wings to fly instead of shriveling up and and And, becoming a lesser version of you. Mm -hmm. And and even the herb Shatavari that I'm talking about, you know, it literally means the wife of a hundred husbands, just to let you know. Oh, I love that. So if you can handle one husband and you're sexually pooped, you know, Shatavari can make you have a harem of husbands and what's wrong with that let's turn the tide of history <laughs> i think you just answered the question on sensuality because uh, <laughs> one of the one of the biggest issues that women don't want to talk about right it's literally the biggest non asked question uh that everybody is thinking of like i wish somebody else would ask this question when we've had our get togethers is the sensuality side of it, which is the extreme dryness and because of the moodiness and irritation, the lack of interest. And to your point, there are, Ayurveda has found herbs that again date back to thousands of years of not clinical trials, but real life trials of women trying these herbs and swearing by them. So Shatavari is one any any other recommendation on the sensuality side? So for women that are going through it and are just mentally unhappy about the process, because again, how the media portrays is, you know, we live again in a Western world, in, in all honesty, we live in a Western world where sexuality and sensuality are very important for a woman to identify herself as someone important and to feel secure and good about themselves. It's completely incorrect. It's completely irrelevant in reality of how a woman should feel about herself. It should have nothing to do with how she looks. But that, but, but there you have it. It's a multi-billion dollar industry and they prey on the fact that women are insecure about looks. And so looks and, and how you feel are all rolled into this one huge mental problem. So when you get into menopause, you just feel like you're questioning yourself. You're questioning your own sensuality, you're questioning your own looks. And of course, the fact that you're putting on weight doesn't help. Now there's clearly answers to that. But in your opinion, and from an Ayurveda standpoint, other than an herb like Ishatavri, what else are some of the things you recommend for, for someone who's going through that, not feeling good about herself? What can she do to start feeling great about herself again? Hmm. Um, yeah, let me, let me just, um, uh... Um, bring in my perspective, but I, I'd like to reflect on what you said, Rena. And it's very true that we don't want to prey on, you know, just the concept of looks because a, a woman is not just her looks. But at the same time, as a person who works with people, because I'm a spiritual teacher at the end of the day, and I work with ego and I work with shedding the ego and seeking the divine and all of that. 
I have found that sometimes uh, women in the West may be more focused on their looks. Or I don't know if you're making general statements, but we can say there are types of women in the world who are over-focused on their looks, and then there are types of women in the world who are under-focusing on their looks, okay? Mm-hmm. And I find that both of them is a strange situation of the ego. In one, it's a little bit in the way in vanity, and it has, you know, become completely objectified into the superficial layers of existence. And in the other one, we're over-denying it, like we are cutting it to pieces, mm. and that doesn't help. You know, so I think that a balanced approach is, which Ayurveda once again shows us that we've all been given, you know, bodies and these, and health is equal to beauty. And, and, and they couldn't, and, and nature wouldn't go to so much effort to beautify our planet if beauty didn't have some inherent divine value. That's for sure. So I think that for a woman to push away beauty or only hold on to it are extreme, you know, mental aberrations. I invite them to evoke divinity in beauty and to see that beauty is a natural state of existence. And it's a natural manifestation of who we are deep down. Mm-hmm. Once that attitude has become clear, then just this morning, when I, in my own daily hygiene, I was running late, but that didn't stop me for jumping into my kitchen, mixing chickpea flour and green gram flour with some, you know, milk and, you know, adding to it some dried marigolds mm-hmm. and using it as a face scrub because I refuse to use chemical soaps that strip my skin. Now, am I vain? I don't think at all I am vain. Am I, what am I doing then? What I'm really doing is taking care of the temple of my being, you know, beautifying what nature has already given me to shine my divine self. So I feel that when you said, shall we talk about sensuality? I said, let's do this because sensuality, if you separate it out and look at it, then it feels like what should be our attitude towards it? Mm -hmm. But if sensuality is part of our whole being, then it's a very important functional part of our being. And Ayurveda says, become sensual again. And how do you do this? Well, people have to read my books. But from waking up in the morning, and you've read it, from waking Mm -hmm. up in the morning and greeting the sun, to having a connection with earth and moon, to eating certain recipes that don't dry us, but actually juice us, and, you know, and soften our skin and moisten our hair, it can happen. The whole being, you know, I, I can go from looking dried out and wrinkled to actually looking rich and younger. I have students who came to me when they were in their 60s and they walk around looking in their late 30s or 40s. So there's actually a reversal of the excessive aging that had happened because we were eating diets, once again, which had nothing to do with what our body really needed, which was what is called as rasa. And rasa means the juice of our life existence. Mm. And there are foods like amalaki, amala, 
Indian gooseberry, amalaki juice, amalaki jam. There are, you know, jams made of ashwagandha, vithenia somnifera. There are recipes in my book, 27 recipes, which, you know, nourish the whole being. So uh, you try this for one month and what will happen is one of the signs of natural oiliness would be your skin will be less itchy. Your bowels will move like, you know, as if they've been oleated and they're, you know, super smooth moving out of your body. Your hair will not feel so dry. And uh, you and even your, um, um, you know, sexual um, um, functioning and sexual desire will naturally manifest. It's like when you put water in the soil mm. and you give it the right kind of sunshine, then those latent seeds will pop up and suddenly there will be new flowers and plants that you never knew existed and here is the part I, that's very meaningful for me Rina to tell you is my guru Baba whose stories are you know I and him in the book are there me as a little girl him as an older teacher he told me that this body is much more than flesh that is you know about to meet its deadline expiry date mm. we are a mystical spiritual body too because this is the home of the spirit this is a magical sphere of existence and you can keep renewing yourself more and more and more just with these magical ingredients of nature. There is some aging, but it's definitely very slowed down aging. And this is why in ancient India, the rishis and the rishikas, the female sages and the male sages, they lived for hundreds of years, hundreds of years. And this is not a myth. I saw my own grandfather live a healthy life. I have overcome disease to be my healthiest. I have been teaching for 10 years and I've not had to take one day off because I was suffering from uh, something. So I invite people to sacred health and sacred sexuality of a true nature. I, I wonder if it's too much, but this is my no, reality. No, that's, it's beautiful. I think this is what we all need to hear that there are things called rasayanas, that there are ways yes. in which we can bring juiciness back into our lives. I love the way you describe the dryness because that's so real. Your hair feels dry. Your skin feels dry. You just feel dry. And there's no amount of water that can take that dryness away. And so the fact that there are Ayurvedic herbs and concoctions and, as you said, rasayanas, uh, and I'm assuming Shatavari is one Rasayana mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. that can bring that juiciness back. It's back to hopefulness, right? There's hope. And, there is hope. And to your point that there's a lot of people, a lot of women that have gone through this before that have demonstrated that there is a way to bring that juiciness back into the life. So for someone listening to this podcast, getting all excited um, that there's hope and wants to go and buy a Rasayana, what do you recommend? Of course, the first recommendation always is find an Ayurvedic practitioner, and we will we will definitely put your link to your website in there as well. But what have you found in terms of just finding products? Uh, is Chavan Prash one example of a Rasayana that you recommend, or wh what do you recommend? I think for menopause, I would refrain from giving an herbal rasayana over the podcast. I think that would not be correct. But what I can suggest is a food-based rasayana. Mm -hmm. And I would suggest ghee, cow ghee, not mm -hmm. buffalo ghee, but cow ghee and 
just try this. Take your weight today. Take your cholesterol. Test your cholesterol. And then convert to good quality cow, ghee, and see. You might actually lose weight and drop that cholesterol and be amazingly juicy. Mm. Ghee is and the number one rasa increasing agent in case of menopause it also decreases hot flashes so that's one thing i would say and how should they it be taken is it empty stomach first thing in the morning or just cook your food in it i could say if there is extreme dryness i would go for one teaspoon in the morning with warm water not okay. cold water but i would say just be liberal and you will notice a big difference cow ghee is such an interesting thing not buffalo ghee cow ghee and most indians in india eat buffalo ghee and then say ghee is no good mm. but buffalo ghee and cow ghee are completely different and we want cow ghee and of course organic and um uh, ghee is that intelligent agent that will actually help you come back to normal weight and you know it will improve your memory improve your moods and it would uh, reduce dryness in the body that's one thing for sure regarding another rasayana that i can benefit that i can recommend is roses you grow pesticide free roses please in your backyard and then collect those rose petals and say take a you know take one big middle or large size rose petals in a cup add some hot water add some natural cane sugar or some such natural sweetener and leave it till the hot water cools down in the meantime the essence of the roses would have entered the hot water that cooled down warm water or cooled water at room temperature is like a sherbet mm. a homemade natural rose sherbet and rose cools the body during menopause gives courage to the heart so it's known as a hridaya improves your complexion in case in case your skin is changing during menopause mm-hmm. tremendously reduces heat and increases rasa throughout your blood so i just wanted to share these very simple ones at this point but once they read the book or take a class or study with um, someone further they would then be able to find out shatavri or ashwagandha and how to take it and the do's and don'ts with it Um, probably would then be the next step. No, oh, thank you so much for sharing because those are two simple things everybody can do. So, what else do you recommend? And let's just talk very briefly about mood swings, anger, irritation. I hear this over and over again. I feel like I'm a different person. My family tells me they don't know what to say or to do because I explode and I get so angry and I can't control myself. So, first, what do you recommend other than the rose and the key, which I think are two great recommendations what else for example is meditation is walking in nature what else can can a woman going through anger issues or mood issues do so first and foremost ayurveda yoga the entire vedic pantheon says that the mind is nothing more than your food so i can't overemphasize the need to eat a fire balancing mm. or pitta balancing diet because okay. whatever we eat today in 30 days become subtle and subtle sukshma sukshma and then it becomes our mind so uh, krishna in bhagavad gita says that annam hi manah the food we eat annam is the mind mm. 
So therefore, eating a pure diet is very important. And my book goes into details of that. So that's one thing. So I've had people with like anger issues, women saying, you know, their relationships are falling apart. And I say, okay, for one month, we won't talk about your relationships, but you agree to eat these foods. I, you know, I, 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 these are my students. Mm -hmm. And when they do that, at the end of the month, I say, okay, do you want to talk about your situation? And they go, no, it's all right. It's, you know, it just fizzles out. Because, you know, that it does help to reduce the fire. But ultimately, what I have found around the mood changes also is um, because I work more at the level of the emotional pain and is that often and I'm sharing something really deep, uh, Rina, here. So we're opening a can of worms and we need to come back and talk about it. But I have found that. What comes up for a woman during menopause, and understand I've spoken to thousands of people and taught thousands of people, and I have their input, that what comes of women for women during menopause is the unresolved pain around the various ways she let herself down, mm. where she betrayed herself, or where she did not sit in the lotus of her femininity. It's a fact. Mm -hmm. And I have found that now what instead of saying here, resolve your mood, instead of saying that, I'm now saying, listen to your mood mm. and understand that behind this anger lies your vulnerability. And while you're acting out this anger on others or projecting it on whoever's there to get it, you know, mm -hmm. Deep down, there is some pain that needs acknowledgement from you. So first acknowledge is what I would say. And then connect with, you know, a, a spiritual wisdom, whichever teacher talks to you. If I talk to you, read my book, but connect to what all is out there, calm and beautiful, like the sky, the trees, a pond, you know, a flower was. It's like you have to acknowledge that. So I have found that I'm getting more and more like that. Instead of resolving it or seeing it as a problem, I think it's communicating to us something. And I have found that once I say that, once I give that permission, women start keeping journals. They cry for what happened to them at age 20. They also convey to their family members that they're not gone insane. And I changed the paradigm from saying I'm menopausal and hysterical. I would like to say I'm transitioning into a more introverted space. And thank you for that. I like some space to be by myself, go on a retreat, spend time in nature and really like milk that moodiness because those were things the mood is bringing up what needs to be looked at. And, you know, I'm a spiritual teacher and I'll tell you 99% of the time I have no mood. Mm. I'm calm. I'm easy. I've reached that place. And, you know, at a certain age and I have been in my sadhana, but that one time when some mood comes up, some emotion comes up, I'm like a scientist. I want to know what came up. Mm. And so I'm trying to change the languaging also around the mood and then teaching some tools around. Yes, of course, change the diet, but don't make the mood go away. 
please understand, please give yourself the attention that medical fraternity didn't give you, the husband cannot give you, the son and daughter, the young daughter also cannot give you. They all want the mom and the mother or the wife or the daughter or the sister or the daughter-in-law to be stable. But I ask you to be stable with that unstableness and to observe it and uh, work with it. And often it shows the way out. That's what I've noticed, Rina. That's really profound. That is very profound. That under the layers of that anger and moodiness, which which may be highlighted because of the pitta, there is real pain that is finally coming to the surface. And it needs to be dealt with. And to your point, just taking pitta pass and fine foods won't take away the pain unless you deal with the pain and you deal with the anger or to your point, the, maybe it's a, it's an issue where you're feeling poorly about how you handled a situation when you were 20 or 25. So it's a lot of self-reflection. And the reason I say that's very profound is I've never heard it say, said like that before. I've never heard someone talk about the moodiness in a menopausal woman as not just a, oh, you're just menopausal, but that, oh, these are deep issues that it's now time to address, that it's now time for you to deal with them and address them and resolve them. So you can then truly, again, transition to the next stage of your life free of those burdens. Because it's hard to continue with a new life that's creative exponentially if you are still carrying burdens from the first act. Um, the way I'm thinking of it. That's beautiful. That's really profound. And how does Ayurveda, I guess, you know, that's where meditation would again come in, the ability for you to observe yourself. I think it took me a good three months of meditation before I was able to do that, uh, before I was able to recognize that, oh, wait, that mind, that thought that just flitted, that that's not me. But it took a, yeah. it took a good few months. Um, and when that happens, it actually um, freaks you out. I actually had a little shiver of, I, I don't know what, what emotion it was, but it was definitely an emotion realizing that, oh, that thought wasn't me. Who am I? Uh, and it's that it, there's a little bit of a fear of, well, then who am I? Cause we've associated ourselves with the mind all our lives. Uh, but that's, um, any, any simpler techniques in, Understanding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. You might not have heard what I presented around the modes because that is not from an Ayurveda book, but it is from Vedanta, the Upanishads, because I'm a teacher of the Upanishads and Bhagavad Gita. And these are my own. I'm a spiritual teacher and I, these are my own. And I'm a woman and I have menopause and I know all of this. And so I know that or not I have menopause, but my body has gone through it. Uh, I remain the same. So <laughs> it's like, um, um, yes, this is my teaching, but now I have been seeing it and it's working. But, you know, what you talked about meditation, I think it's really important. And for those women, you know, it took you three months, but I also know your story that you were held through the process and you had really reached the end of your rope. So you gave it your all. You're a powerful woman and you turned your whole life around from, you know, corporate uh, excellence to inner excellence, you know. So you're a different story. 
and I'm probably a different story, but what if there's an average person who doesn't, who's even scared of the other M word meditation? Mm. Then I would say then that, you know, it usually begins with spending some time alone, be brave enough to take on solitude, not loneliness, and then fill that solitude with nature. So even if you have people who want to take a walk with you, go out alone. You know, don't mm-hmm. always fill every moment with friends and television or a movie or something to do. Be alone, be quiet. And then there would be a more introverted movement, which will then lead into meditative uh, desire. Then you can learn meditation or your eyes might close and you might find that you are meditating because meditation is actually as spontaneous to us as breathing. It's just that we keep our life so noisy and full that we forget about that kind of spiritual breathing, which is meditation. So, uh, you know, and once you're met, so meditation is critical. So I thank you for bringing that up. Now, meditative life, a contemplative life, a more introverted life. And I'm a, I teach and I move among crowds, but I'm still up. I have developed uh, a love affair with my own company. And I think that has become the door for me to look at all my health challenges mm. and, and, and re-question the labels that society gave me, such as, oh, you're just menopausal. It's just a label. You're, every human being is complete and every menopause is unique. And so when can we look at, you know, connecting all the dots? So I think meditation is something I would recommend. I would recommend learning it. I would recommend being with friends who meditate so they can rub off a few. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and, and you know, and listening to good podcasts that, you know, blast your mind with mm-hmm. previous ideas and give you new ways to look at the world and then enjoy a new world, really. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. These are truly pearls of wisdom that have not been shared before. So you are opening so many doors and sharing so many unique ideas that I think people listening, women listening to this podcast can start implementing as of today, as of right now, you know, go out for a walk alone, Uh, which is the other thing I feel like women tend to want noise, want social interaction, want phone calls, want texts, and be constantly surrounded with noise. And bringing that silence into your life truly does allow you to to self-reflect and to heal and to calm down a little. Otherwise, I feel like we're always chasing one story to the next call, to the next text, to the next conversation. And there's really no time. There's no time for yourself. There's no time for pause. So these are, these are beautiful suggestions. One last question. Well, I guess two last questions. One is on weight. Uh, we know now scientifically why women put on more weight. Uh, we understand the whole interplay of hormones, declining hormones, difficulty in processing sugar, but women don't necessarily change their diets. And so that leads to weight gain. You've already shared some wonderful tips and recommendations, including, of course, the key. Anything else, any any additional insight on how to manage weight for someone who's saying, look, I don't eat a lot, I'm exercising, and I'm just not able to lose weight? It's the hormones that have to be influenced, and hormones can be influenced by taking a less heating and actually a cooling diet. So okay. then the swelling and the inflammation and the weight, these are all like, you know, cousins that come together. Yeah. 
all of this will like suddenly find that there is nothing fueling that. You know, Ayurveda always works at the root level. And so the condition is weight or inflammation or the body as a swelling of the body, you know, literally like a ballooning of the body. And but underneath all of that is a fire element and fire element of pitta dosha or it's a force. And these are technical words we can't go into, but, Mm -hmm. you know, a a book would explain that to you. It's very simple. Children follow that diet. So it's so easy. But following that diet would be helpful. Taking walks will not only be spiritually inspiring, but I would say, um, you know, it would um, be helpful for the weight. But what I have found also is there is from the science of yoga, the scientific breathing known as pranayama. Mm -hmm. And I have found that, you know, the alternate nostril breath is very useful. Um, And I would do it two to three hundred times in the morning or in the evening, but empty stomach. And when we do alternate nostril breathing in the proper method, and I'm sure people can find teachers or videos to how to Mm -hmm. do it. Um, or you could invite somebody to show them how to do it. But uh, alternate nostril breathing balances out the hormones, uh, has a good influence on the pituitary gland, and just generally has, I'm speaking modern terms for the modern people, but really what it does from an Ayurvedic perspective is it balances the three doshas, and the whole body, which is going out of control, starts coming back to its normal. And uh, it can happen within one month. You will see a turnaround. So we can, you know, we can always keep up at the gym and we can always, you know, um, do some extra walking or running. But subtle exercises like pranayama, you know, you're just breathing from one nostril at a time. You might think, what's the big deal? I'm not burning calories. But what you're actually doing is redirecting the vitality, which and you actually feel more energized because fatigue is another issue with menopause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can, again, personally swear by it. Wonderful. It's, yeah, it's something that I do first thing in the morning most days. <laughs> I think, Reena, all you have to do, and honestly, now that I've seen you, is put up your photo and your age next to it, and that will do the talking. <laughs> <laughs> you are so kind. That is such an incredibly sweet, humbling compliment, Junior G. No, it's true. You I mean, I was so shocked kind. when you told me, you know, your life story and your age. And, you know, I was like, what? You are so <laughs> kind. I am so humbled to hear you say that. You are a spiritual teacher like none other I have ever met. Please share with our listeners a spiritual message as as we thank you for all this wonderful time that you've taken to share your brilliant insights with us. Share a little spiritual message for us with us today. I think you mentioned about the noise and how we women tend to want to have. We're nurturing, right? We, we like our nest filled with eggs and babies and all those things. So, you know, that's one thing. But I just want to remind every listener that when you came in, you came in alone and you didn't need anybody. And you're on a vast, amazing journey. So take the time to reacquaint yourself with you. And then once you know yourself and you will find that you're complete, then you can go back and have fun, but it will not have that same amount of depleting or stressful effect upon you. Um, I know that when I have a name, 
I have, you know, a public image and identity, but all of them are really mythology because I just got that name at a certain time. I was not born with that name. I'm just I. And I, I, and I always invite all my listeners, whether they're working on a physical condition or they're having a spiritual crisis, that fall in love with your eye mm. and everything else will work out. So beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you so much again for your time. For the rest of you that are listening to this podcast, we will be including links, references, and how you can access Shuniji as well as her book, which is listed in the Heal Shop on Healerpedia.com. And you can purchase a copy through through that link there. Keep in mind, based on everything you've heard today, you as a woman in transition, as a woman in menopause, can be a better version of yourself. You can be more creative, more beautiful, more happy, more joyous, and you can start a whole new chapter. So get started today. You have some great tips. Check out the the show notes and we will see you on another podcast for Live Longer. Stay smiling. Stay blessed. That's a wrap for Live Longer. Get the show notes at healerpedia.com. Like the show? Please share the love and subscribe at healerpedia.com or on Facebook Healerpedia page and on Twitter at Rena Jadhav. Tune in to our next episode to live longer, healthier, and happier. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very exciting episode today where we are going to talk about only women and the women's challenges that we all face once we cross 35. I am talking about the big M word, menopause. For those of us who've sort of already experienced that initial transition phase, one of the biggest challenges is how do you maintain your sanity? How do you maintain your sensuality and how in the heck can you maintain your svelte figure? Those are some pretty big challenges for us women. And of course, the rise of chronic illness. It almost seems like most people I chat with, most women I chat with, they have all the normal issues of chronic illness after 40 from whether it's diabetes or cholesterol or fatigue or heartburn, migraines, And of course, the gas bloating, indigestion, and the really, really, really hard time losing weight. So I thought, why don't we do a podcast that's just focused on women and specifically on women going through these challenges? And I looked around to see who could I find that could really help answer these questions in a holistic, meaningful way, not in a prescription, not just with hormones that are applied or inserted or swallowed. And I looked around and I found someone amazing. I am so excited today to have with us Acharya Shunyaji. And and I do have to admit, actually, that Acharya Shunyaji has come to my home and done a heel circle for us. So I actually do know her personally and I know what an amazing aura she has. But for those of you who don't know Acharya Shunyaji, she's an internationally recognized spiritual teacher, an ordained lineage holder, an authoritative scholar of the Vedic sciences of Ayurveda, yoga, and Vedanta. Her latest book is an absolute bestseller, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, and it's a complete prescription to optimize your health, prevent disease, and live with vitality and joy. It's actually inspired by her own life journey. 
She is also the founder of Vetica Global. You can find the website online to stay in touch with her. And she's the president of the California Association of Ayurvedic Medicine. Shunyaji, welcome. What a pleasure. So let's start with your interest in Ayurveda. Share with those listening to this podcast a little bit about your background. I know your background could be a series of books by itself. You have such an incredible lineage. But share just a little bit about yourself before we dive into your recommendations and your incredible books recommendations for women in menopause. And I'd love to go through how do we maintain our mental sanity how can we get healthier and fitter and thinner? And then, of course, how can we still maintain our sensuality and our happiness in the bedroom? Absolutely. Um, to begin with uh, my life story, I can just say this, Rina, that I must have been chosen to dance with this knowledge, Ayurveda, in this lifetime because I was not only born in a family of healers and master spiritual teachers who lived Ayurveda and dispersed this knowledge throughout, uh, you know, Uttar Pradesh, this um, state from northern India where I come from. But then I myself developed a condition where I couldn't walk. Uh, I could, couldn't even breathe without pain. Mm-hmm. And much later, I was diagnosed, much later, many years later, in my 30s, I found out that I actually do have a genetic challenge and autoimmune condition that wants to challenge me and my life quality, uh, you know, with pain and inflammation. But back then, uh, that condition and its flare up when I was in my teens became a doorway for me to take what already existed in my parampara or in my lineage to own it and make it my lifestyle, make it my living body of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, I healed myself. And you've seen me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I walked into your door. I drove my own car. And this condition puts people in wheelchairs or, you know, in serious um, condition where their life quality gets compromised. But, you know, Having a teacher in my own home in the form of my grandfather, who was a legendary master teacher, to to take me on as a student and then for this disease to be my teacher and then for me to, you know, somehow find myself on a world stage where I talk to governments, I talk to, you know, state heads, I talk to just about everybody who has to do with alternative medicine and Ayurveda. I, it's become really clear that my personal mandate in this world is to bring authentic Ayurveda wisdom forward, the wisdom that is steeped in the spiritual consciousness of the Vedas and gives us such a hopeful, uh, you know, um, hopeful dream that comes true, that we can have good health of body, mind and soul. Thank you so much for sharing that. What are the principles for, of Ayurveda for those who are listening to this podcast for the first time? Simple, that um, please stop um, excluding yourself from nature. You are a part and parcel of nature. And all those laws that are affecting the trees and the plants in your backyard are also influencing us, whether we choose to ignore them or be unconscious of them or try to create a virtual universe. But sooner or later, in spite of all our technological advancements, 
we will have to return back to nature and try to understand her. And Ayurveda says that we are all woven with the same five elements, uh, which is Mm -hmm. space, air, fire, water, and earth. And the increase or decrease of these elements through our food, through the mental stimuli, through our speech, through our interactions and engagements with the world of people, animals, and nature, um, that will end up, uh, you know, depleting us or uh, keeping us healthy. And Ayurveda likes to, you know, teach us many things, such as how to be in sync with the rhythms of nature, be in sync with the rhythm of, you know, the change in the sunlight across the sky. So diurnal rhythms, solar rhythm, you know, nocturnal rhythms, seasonal rhythms. Um, what does that have to do with our brain, our gut, our physiology, everything? And Rina, you know now that Western medicine is not corroborating this, that indeed there is a huge impact of chronobiological rhythms on even the way our liver, you know, processes our food or the way our heartbeat, uh, you know, is in um, rhythm. And the ancient sages had been telling us about it. And for them, this was not new knowledge. And in fact, they prescribed a whole beautiful lifestyle of wisdom for how to live it in such a beautiful way that our whole being is in orchestration, beautiful music with nature. And disease, if it starts, gets, you know, dissolved. Even if it's chronic, it becomes manageable or even improved. And we can also prevent diseases of the future. So well said there. When we look at menopause... What is Ayurveda's perspective on menopause itself? Ah, the big M word, as you said. Yes, because in Western culture and, in, of course, in our conventional medicine, we look at medicine, I think, quite differently than the Eastern traditions do. So I'd love for you to share, you know, how does Ayurveda even view menopause or that time of transition? So menopause is... Um, Actually, a natural transition of the uh, female biology and physiology. And it should ideally not cause distress symptoms, ideally. And so um, it's a natural transition, just like a woman is born, a young girl is born, an infant, a toddler, into her teenage, pre-puberty, puberty, through, you know, child, um, childbearing, you know, years. And then comes the time for menopause. And menopause, according to Ayurveda, is a time where her um, inherent fertility and her inherent femininehood is going to go into deep ripening and changes. And if we were listening to nature's calls and if we were eating seasonal diets all along and if we were making sure that the elements are in balance within our body to begin with, then menopause is like seamless. It just happens naturally. And what the woman finds is that though she can no longer probably conceive or bear a child, but her beauty sustains for a long, long time. And there are some new um, inner creativity because that, that, you know, that, that, um, that scope of, Fertility, according to Ayurveda, when that fertility is really Shakti, it's power. And if it's not 
consumed in creating babies. It can move upwards and create books and, you know, art projects and science and community upliftment things. So this is not the end of the womanhood. In fact, it's a refinement and it's like a promotion. It's like, okay, you're done with conceiving babies, but now can you conceive, I, you know, even more for this universe? And this should be seamless. But what has happened is that um, you know, it has become more and more symptomatic and medical fraternity for a long time just, you know, poo-pooed it. Like, you know, it's like the woman and her histrionic ideas. That's right. It. Mm-hmm. But that's very sad because every woman who's gone through that can say, indeed, there is often hot flashes. There is, you know, aches and pains. There is moodiness. There is, you know, change in the cycle. And, uh, you know, there are sometimes uh, she doesn't recognize herself and her mm-hmm. body. And it's like, what's going on? And But Ayurveda recognizes it. Ayurveda is wisdom. And it has originated not in a laboratory or a test tube, but by working with women in real time, mm-hmm. Rina, thankfully. Mm-hmm. So Ayurveda says that fear not, come back to Mother Nature and start eating diets that cool down fire and from your, you know, from your diet. So it should not add more fire. So a typical tea, a, a ginger tea, even ginger mm-hmm. is, you know, a product of nature and it contains more fire. Garlic contains more fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, spices contain more fire. A vine would contain more fire. So what we want to do if we are being stressed with menopausal symptoms is to really look for more cooling foods and actually then cool our foods too by, for example, adding cooling foods like coconut Mm. or, uh, you know, or garnishing it with marigold uh, petals or rose petals or add or taking more cooling spices like fennel. So you can reduce some of the fire increasing agents in your diet and we can enhance the more cool cool inducing agents in our diet and i can tell you within one week um a person can expect to see a difference in the amount of hormonal activity in the body because hormones are related to the fire element and so and how much fire element we consume is really up to us and we change our food based upon knowledge, such as listening to this podcast and, you know, reading the book, etc. We don't have to keep suffering. We can make it effortless. So diet is one way and then we can keep talking some more. But it does make a radical difference. And, you know, when I came to United States and I'll end with that, Rina, mm-hmm. uh, um, this was in when did I come here? Say two decades ago. And two and a half decades ago, and when I first started working with people with Ayurveda, I mean, a bulk of, you know, people who move towards natural medicine and new ways of understanding the body are women. And they're often, you know, 30 plus, because when you're young, you're so smitten with other things in life. Mm -hmm. And I would say nine out of 10 women were dealing with menopause. And I'm happy to tell you that nine out of those 10 women every time found relief with Ayurveda's ancient, tried and tested wisdom. And I'm one of them. I have to admit that it was a pretty tough first six months 
But Ayurveda's principles of eating cooling foods and removing certain foods and adding certain herbs has completely eliminated, I'd say, over 90% of my symptoms to the point where I really don't feel like I'm in menopause at all anymore. So I'm, I'm one example of someone for whom it absolutely did work. I loved what you said, Shunyaji. The perspective, the filter, the glasses through which we view menopause in Ayurveda is very different. It's not that it's the end of your creative, beautiful, productive life, that it's actually the beginning of your act two. It's almost like if you were to break your life into act one and act two, I actually think you can break your life into three acts, right? Act one is sort of when you're a child and you're learning. Act two is when you become a producing member of society. You get married, you start working, you have children. And then act three is when you are done with all of that to to a large extent in terms of raising your kids, you menopause, and now you can focus on being the best that you can be for yourself. It's really inner reflection and And I hadn't heard it this way before where you can now leverage that Shakti, that creative power to create new things. So it's, it is another act. It's a whole new chapter of your life. And again, as an example of one, I can definitely say for me personally, it absolutely is a whole new book that's being written. I feel like I've closed the book on the previous act and now there's a whole new book that's being written, um, post transition. So thank you for sharing that. That's a, it's a far more positive, hopeful way of looking at menopause than I think the way the Western world puts it, right? Like you look at pictures, you go to Google and you Google for menopause and you look at pictures and it's all these miserable looking dried out women with white hair. And that's not true. That's completely not true. Um, so it's, it's, it's very nice to hear you say that that's, that there's, it's actually a beautiful time of hope. That is, uh, yes, that picture is not true. And a lot of these women whose pictures we are noticing for menopause, you know, frowning, scowling, yeah. looking dehydrated, yeah. is these people are probably having everything wrong in their life anyway. And, you know, and then they become role models for what menopause should be. And then they kind of become suggestions for what menopause should be. Mm -hmm. So then you need to look at women like you and me who are radiant and glowing and beautiful and, and, and getting more compliments every progressive year than ever. And I have found that, um, so sexuality or the sexual energy is actually a potent Shakti because please understand that when it's moving downwards and outwards, it can create a clone. It can create a whole human being. Now imagine when nature says, okay, you're done. Thank you. Now you can have this energy for you. And then what you do with this is up to you, but half the time, because you know, it, you know, what we think creates our reality and society has certain thoughts. And so one of the reality that we're all creating, and it's not because we are mental, but it's a fact that we are eating diets that are not, you know, nature friendly, that are not always seasonal, that don't have this knowledge of the five elements. And we are so, you know, we've outsourced what we should eat to magazine articles and TV shows and so you know, who does the better marketing. So we're so out of touch with our own reality that when nature wants to give gift us women back our sexuality and gift us back with sexuality, our 
our our deepest creativity, our it is gifting us back our original fertility, we actually fritter it away. And then we get on to, you know, you know, unfortunate courses of medication. We all know about it, like the estrogen replacement therapy and what that did to women, you know. Instead, we can go, we can turn towards a mothering, nurturing, assisting system of medicine and true healing, such as Ayurveda, which is steeped in the spiritual Vedas, the way I teach it. And then, uh, you know, rediscover ourselves. And of course, we gently assist our body, such as there is an herb called Shatavri. It's a root. We can actually grow it in our backyards. It grows so well in, you know, California weather or anywhere which gets six hours of sun. And that root, you know, if you mix it with milk and drink it once a day, cow milk, goat milk, or even rice milk or almond milk, and if you mix it and take it, Shatavari reintroduces our body with all the vital, uh, you know, essence that uh, or estrogen, but natural. But it's not estrogen, but Mm. it's like it's like it gives us uh, whatever we are losing during menopause. And so one can feel even more beautiful and wonderful. So there is some knowledge to be curated. Mm -hmm. And definitely we cannot curate it in the course of a podcast. But I think what you're helping your audience know is that there is another door. And there are millions of women opening that door throughout the world, not just in India. So if they're being introduced to it for the first time, I welcome you to this portal. Your life will change. You know, for the better. Yes. For the better. Exactly. Yes. You'll get wings to fly instead of shriveling up and and And, becoming a lesser version of you. Mm -hmm. And and even the herb Shatavari that I'm talking about, you know, it literally means the wife of a hundred husbands, just to let you know. Oh, I love that. So if you can't handle one husband and you're sexually pooped, you know, Shatavari can make you have a harem of husbands and what's wrong with that? Let's turn the tide of history. Now. <laughs> I think you just answered the question on sensuality because uh, <laughs> one of the, one of the biggest issues that women don't want to talk about, right? It's literally the biggest non-asked question uh, that everybody is thinking of. Like, I wish somebody else would ask this question when we've had our get togethers is the sensuality side of it, which is the extreme dryness and because of the moodiness and irritation, the lack of interest. And to your point, there are, Ayurveda has found herbs that again date back to thousands of years of not clinical trials, but real life trials of women trying these herbs and swearing by them. So Shatavari is one any any other recommendation on the sensuality side, so for women that are going through it and are just mentally unhappy about the process, because again, how the media portrays us, you know, we live again in a Western world, in, in all honesty, we live in a Western world where sexuality and sensuality are very important for a woman to identify herself as someone important and to feel secure and good about themselves. It's completely incorrect. It's completely irrelevant in reality of how a woman should feel about herself. It should have nothing to do with how she looks. 
but that, but, but there you have it. It's a multi-billion dollar industry and they prey on the fact that women are insecure about looks. And so looks and, and how you feel are all rolled into this one huge mental problem. So when you get into menopause, you just feel like you're questioning yourself. You're questioning your own sensuality. You're questioning your own looks. And of course, the fact that you're putting on weight doesn't help. Now there's clearly answers to that, but in your opinion and from an Ayurveda standpoint, other than an herb like Ishatavri, what else are some of the things you recommend for, for someone who's going through that, not feeling good about herself? What can she do to start feeling great about herself again? Hmm. Um, yeah, let me, let me just, um, um, bring in my perspective, but I, I'd like to reflect on what you said, Rena. And it's very true that we don't want to prey on, you know, just the concept of looks because a, a woman is not just her looks. But at the same time, as a person who works with people, because I'm a spiritual teacher at the end of the day and I work with ego and I work with shedding the ego and seeking the divine and all of that. I have found that sometimes uh, women in the West may be more focused on their looks. or I don't know if you're making general statements, but we can say there are types of women in the world who are over-focused on their looks. And then there are types of women in the world who are under-focusing on their looks. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I find that both of them is a strange situation of the ego. In one, it's a little bit in the way in vanity. And it has, you know, become completely objectified into the superficial layers of existence. And in the other one, we're over-denying it. Like we are cutting it to pieces. Mm. And that doesn't help. You know, so I think that a balanced approach is which Ayurveda once again shows us that we've all been given, you know, bodies and these and health is equal to beauty and 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 they couldn't and, and nature wouldn't go to so much effort to beautify our planet if beauty didn't have some inherent divine value. That's for sure. So I think that for a woman to push away beauty or only hold on to it are extreme, you know, mental aberrations. I invite them to evoke divinity in beauty and to see that beauty is a natural state of existence. And it's a natural manifestation of who we are deep down. Mm-hmm. Once that attitude has become clear, then just this morning, when I, in my own daily hygiene, I was running late, but that didn't stop me for jumping into my kitchen, mixing chickpea flour and green gram flour with some, you know, milk and, you know, adding to it some dried marigolds mm-hmm. and using it as a face scrub because I refuse to use chemical soaps that strip my skin. Now, am I vain? I don't think at all I am vain. Am I, what am I doing then? What I'm really doing is taking care of the temple of my being, you know, beautifying what nature has already given me to shine my divine self. So I feel that when you said, shall we talk about sensuality? I said, let's do this because sensuality, if you separate it out and look at it, then it feels like what should be our attitude towards it. Mm -hmm. But if sensuality is part of our whole being, then it's a very important functional part of our being. And Ayurveda says, become sensual again. And how do you do this? 
Well, people have to read my books, but from waking up in the morning and you've read it from waking Mm -hmm. up in the morning and greeting the sun to having a connection with earth and moon to eating certain recipes that don't dry us, but actually juice us and, you know, and soften our skin and moisten our hair. It can happen. The whole being, you know, I, I can go from looking dried out and wrinkled to actually looking rich and younger. I have students who came to me when they were in their 60s and they walk around looking in their late 30s or 40s. So there's actually a reversal of the excessive aging that had happened because we were eating diets, once again, which had nothing to do with what our body really needed, which was what is called as rasa. And rasa means the juice of our life existence. Mm. And there are foods like amalaki, amala, Indian gooseberry, amalaki juice, amalaki jam. There are, you know, jams made of ashwagandha, vithenia, somnifera. There are recipes in my book, 27 recipes, which, you know, nourish the whole being. So uh, you try this for one month and what will happen is one of the signs of natural oiliness would be your skin will be less itchy. Your bowels will move like, you know, as if they've been oleated and they're, you know, super smooth moving out of your body. Your hair will not feel so dry. And uh, you, and even your, um, um, you know, sexual, um, um, functioning and sexual desire will naturally manifest. It's like when you put water in the soil mm. and you give it the right kind of sunshine, then those latent seeds will pop up and suddenly there will be new flowers and plants that you never knew existed and here is the part that's very meaningful for me Rina to tell you is my guru Baba whose stories are you know I and him in the book are there me as a little girl him as an older teacher he told me that this body is much more than flesh that is you know about to meet its deadline expiry date Mm. we are a mystical spiritual body too because this is the home of the spirit this is a magical sphere of existence and you can keep renewing yourself more and more and more just with these magical ingredients of nature. There is some aging, but it's definitely very slowed down aging. And this is why in ancient India, the rishis and the rishikas, the female sages and the male sages, they live for hundreds of years, hundreds of years. And this is not a myth. I saw my own grandfather live a healthy life. I have overcome disease to be my healthiest. I have been teaching for 10 years and I've not had to take one day off because I was suffering from uh, something. So I invite people to sacred health and sacred sexuality of a true nature. I I wonder if it's too much, but this is my no, reality. That's, it's beautiful. I think this is what we all need to hear that there are things called rasayanas, that there are ways in which we can bring juiciness back into our lives. I love the way you describe the dryness because that's so real. Your hair feels dry. Your skin feels dry. You just feel dry. And there's no amount of water that can take that dryness away. And so the fact that there are Ayurvedic herbs and concoctions and, as you said, rasayanas, uh, and I'm assuming Shatavari is one Rasayana mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that can bring that juiciness back. It's back to hopefulness, right? There's hope. 
And, and to your point that there's a lot of people, a lot of women that have gone through this before that have demonstrated that there is a way to bring that juiciness back into the life. So for someone listening to this podcast, getting all excited, um, that there is hope and wants to go and buy a Rasayana, what do you recommend? Of course, the first recommendation always is find an Ayurvedic practitioner and we will, we will definitely put your link to your website in there as well. But what have you found in terms of just finding products? Uh, is Chavan Prash one example of a Rasayana that you recommend or what do you recommend? I think for menopause, I would refrain from giving an herbal rasayana over the podcast. I think that would not be correct. But what I can suggest is a food-based rasayana. Mm-hmm. And I would suggest ghee, cow ghee, not mm-hmm. buffalo ghee, but cow ghee. And just try this. Take your weight today. Take your cholesterol. Test your cholesterol. And then convert to good quality cow ghee and see. You might actually lose weight and drop that cholesterol and be amazingly juicy. Mm. Ghee is and the number one rasa increasing agent in case of menopause. It also incre- decreases hot flashes. So that's one thing I would say. And how should they, it be taken? Is it empty stomach first thing in the morning or just cook your food in it? I could say if there is extreme dryness, I would go for one teaspoon in the morning with warm water not okay. cold water. But I would say just be liberal and you will notice a big difference. Cow ghee is such an interesting thing, not buffalo ghee, cow ghee. And most Indians in India eat buffalo ghee and then say ghee is no good. Mm. But buffalo ghee and cow ghee are completely different. And we want cow ghee and, of course, organic. And... um uh, ghee is that intelligent agent that will actually help you come back to normal weight and, you know, it will improve your memory, improve your moods, and it would uh, reduce dryness in the body. That's one thing for sure. Regarding another rasayana that I can benefit, that I can recommend is roses. You grow pesticide-free roses, please, in your backyard, and then collect those rose petals and say, take a, you know, take one big middle or large size rose petals in a cup, add some hot water, add some natural cane sugar or some such natural sweetener and leave it till the hot water cools down. In the meantime, the essence of the roses would have entered the hot water. That cooled down warm water or cooled water at room temperature is like a sherbet, mm. a homemade natural rose sherbet. And rose cools the body during menopause, gives courage to the heart, so it's known as a hiddhya, improves your complexion in case case your skin is changing during menopause, Mm -hmm. tremendously reduces heat, and increases rasa throughout your blood. So I just wanted to share these very simple ones at this point, but once they read the book or take a class or study with um, someone further, they would then be able to find out Shatavri or Ashwagandha and how to take it and the do's and don'ts with it um, probably would then be the next step. Thank you so much for sharing because those are two simple things everybody can do. So what else do you recommend? And let's just talk very briefly about mood swings, anger, irritation. I hear this over and over again. I feel like I'm a different person. My family tells me they don't know what to say or to do because I explode and I get so angry and I can't control myself. 
So first, what do you recommend other than the rose and the key, which I think are two great recommendations? What else, for example, is meditation, is walking in nature? What else can, can a woman going through anger issues or mood issues do? So first and foremost, Ayurveda yoga, the entire Vedic pantheon says that the mind is nothing more than your food. So I can't overemphasize the need to eat a fire balancing mm. or pitta balancing diet because okay. whatever we eat today in 30 days becomes subtle and subtle, sukshma, sukshma, and then it becomes our mind. So uh, Krishna in Bhagavad Gita says that annam hi manaha, the food we eat annam is the mind. So therefore, eating a pure diet is very important. And my book goes into details of that. So that's one thing. So I've had people with like anger issues, women saying, you know, their relationships are falling apart. And I say, okay, for one month, we won't talk about your relationships, but you agree to eat these foods. I, you know, I, 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 these are my students. Mm -hmm. And when they do that, at the end of the month, I say, okay, do you want to talk about your situation? And they go, no, it's all right. It's, you know, it just fizzles out. Because, you know, that it does help to reduce the fire. But ultimately, what I have found around the mood changes also is um, because I work more at the level of the emotional pain and is that often and I'm sharing something really deep, uh, Rina, here. So we're opening a can of worms and we need to come back and talk about it. But I have found that. What comes up for a woman during menopause, and understand I've spoken to thousands of people and taught thousands of people, and I have their input, that what comes of women for women during menopause is the unresolved pain around the various ways she let herself down, mm. where she betrayed herself, or where she did not sit in the lotus of her femininity. It's a fact. Mm -hmm. And I have found that now what instead of saying here, resolve your mood, instead of saying that, I'm now saying, listen to your mood mm. and understand that behind this anger lies your vulnerability. And while you're acting out this anger on others or projecting it on whoever's there to get it, you know, mm -hmm. Deep down, there is some pain that needs acknowledgement from you. So first acknowledge is what I would say. And then connect with, you know, a, a spiritual wisdom, whichever teacher talks to you. If I talk to you, read my book, but connect to what all is out there, calm and beautiful, like the sky, the trees, a pond, you know, a flower was. It's like you have to acknowledge that. So I have found that I'm getting more and more like that. Instead of resolving it or seeing it as a problem, I think it's communicating to us something. And I have found that once I say that, once I give that permission, women start keeping journals. They cry for what happened to them at age 20. They also convey to their family members that they're not gone insane. And I change the paradigm from saying I'm menopausal and hysterical. I would like to say I'm transitioning into a more introverted space. And thank you for that. I like some space to be by myself, go on a retreat, spend time in nature and really like milk that moodiness because those were things the mood is bringing up 
what needs to be looked at. And, you know, I'm a spiritual teacher and I'll tell you, 99% of the time I have no mood. Mm. I'm calm. I'm easy. I've reached that place. I'm, you know, of a certain age and I have been in my sadhana. But that one time when some mood comes up, some emotion comes up, I'm like a scientist. I want to know what came up. Mm. And so I'm trying to change the languaging also around the mood and then teaching some tools around, yes, of course, change the diet, but don't make the mood go away. Please understand. Please give yourself the attention that medical fraternity didn't give you. The husband cannot give you. The son and daughter, the young daughter also cannot give you. They all want the mom and the mother or the wife or the daughter or the sister or the daughter-in-law to be stable. But I ask you to be stable with that unstableness and to observe it and uh, work with it. And often it shows the way out. That's what I've noticed, Rina. That's really profound. That is very profound. That under the layers of that anger and moodiness, which which may be highlighted because of the pitta, there is real pain that is finally coming to the surface. And it needs to be dealt with. And to your point, just taking pitta pass and fine foods won't take away the pain unless you deal with the pain and you deal with the anger or to your point, the, maybe it's a, it's an issue where you're feeling poorly about how you handled a situation when you were 20 or 25. So it's a lot of self-reflection. And the reason I say that's very profound is I've never heard it say, said like that before. I've never heard someone talk about the moodiness in a menopausal woman as not just a, oh, you're just menopausal, but that, oh, these are deep issues that it's now time to address, that it's now time for you to deal with them and address them and resolve them. So you can then truly, again, transition to the next stage of your life free of those burdens. Because it's hard to continue with a new life that's creative exponentially if you are still carrying burdens from the first act. Um, the way I'm thinking of it. That's beautiful. That's really profound. And how does Ayurveda, I guess, you know, that's where meditation would again come in. The ability for you to observe yourself. I think it took me a good three months of meditation before I was able to do that. Uh, before I was able to recognize that, oh wait, that mind, that thought that just flitted, that that's not me. But it took a, <laughs> yeah. it took a good few months. Um, and when that happens, it actually um, freaks you out. I actually had a little shiver of, I, I don't know what, what emotion it was, but it was definitely an emotion realizing that, oh, that thought wasn't me. Who am I? Uh, and it's that it, there's a little bit of a fear of, well, then who am I? Cause we've associated ourselves with the mind all our lives. Uh, but that's, uh, any, any simpler techniques in, Understanding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. You might not have heard what I presented around the modes because that is not from an Ayurveda book, but it is from Vedanta, the Upanishads, because I'm a teacher of the Upanishads and Bhagavad Gita. And these are my own. I'm a spiritual teacher and I, these are my own. And I'm a woman and I have menopause and I know all of this. And so I know that or not I have menopause, but my body has gone through it. Uh, I remain the same. So it's like, um, 
um, yes, this is my teaching, but now I have been seeing it and it's working. But, you know, what you talked about meditation, I think it's really important. And for those women, you know, it took you three months, but I also know your story that you were held through the process and you had really reached the end of your rope. So you gave it your all. You're a powerful woman and you turned your whole life around from, you know, corporate uh, excellence to inner excellence, you know. So you're a different story. And I'm probably a different story, but what if there's an average person who doesn't, who's even scared of the other M word meditation? Mm. Then I would say then that, you know, it usually begins with spending some time alone, be brave enough to take on solitude, not loneliness, and then fill that solitude with nature. So even if you have people who want to take a walk with you, go out alone. You know, don't mm-hmm. always fill every moment with friends and television or a movie or something to do. Be alone, be quiet. And then there would be a more introverted movement, which will then lead into meditative desire. Then you can learn meditation or your eyes might close and you might find that you are meditating because meditation is actually as spontaneous to us as breathing. It's just that we keep our life so noisy and full that we forget about that kind of spiritual breathing, which is meditation. So, uh, you know, and once you're met, so meditation is critical. So I thank you for bringing that up. Now, meditative life, a contemplative life, a more introverted life. And I'm a, I teach and I move among crowds, but I'm still up. I have developed a, a love affair with my own company. And I think that has become the door for me to look at all my health challenges mm. and, and, and re-question the labels that society gave me, such as, oh, you're just menopausal. It's just a label. You're, every human being is complete and every menopause is unique. And so when can we look at, you know, connecting all the dots? So I think meditation is something I would recommend. I would recommend learning it. I would recommend being with friends who meditate so they can rub off a few. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and, and you know, and listening to good podcasts that, you know, blast your mind with mm-hmm. previous ideas and give you new ways to look at the world and then enjoy a new world, really. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. These are truly pearls of wisdom that have not been shared before. So you are opening so many doors and sharing so many unique ideas that I think people listening, women listening to this podcast can start implementing as of today, as of right now, you know, go out for a walk alone, Uh, which is the other thing I feel like women tend to want noise, want social interaction, want phone calls, want texts, and be constantly surrounded with noise. And bringing that silence into your life truly does allow you to to self-reflect and to heal and to calm down a little. Otherwise, I feel like we're always chasing one story to the next call, to the next text, to the next conversation, and there's really no time. There's no time for yourself. There's no time for pause. So these are, these are beautiful suggestions. One last question. Well, I guess two last questions. One is on weight. Uh, we know now scientifically why women put on more weight. Uh, we understand the whole interplay of hormones, declining hormones, difficulty in processing sugar, but women don't necessarily change their diets. And so that leads to weight gain. You've already shared some wonderful tips and recommendations, including, of course, the key 
Anything else, any, any additional insight on how to manage weight for someone who's saying, look, I don't eat a lot, I'm exercising, and I'm just not able to lose weight? It's the hormones that have to be influenced, and hormones can be influenced by taking a less heating and actually a cooling diet. So okay. then the swelling and the inflammation and the weight, these are all like, you know, cousins that come together. Yeah. All of this will like suddenly find that there is nothing fueling that, you know, Ayurveda always works at the root level. And so the condition is weight or inflammation or the body as a swelling of the body, you know, literally like a ballooning of the body. And but underneath all of that is a fire element and fire element of pitta dosha or it's a force. And these are technical words we can't go into, but, mm-hmm. you know, a, a book would explain that to you. It's very simple. Children follow that diet. So it's so easy. But following that diet would be helpful. Taking walks will not only be spiritually inspiring, but I would say, um, you know, it would um, be helpful for the weight. But what I have found also is there is from the science of yoga, the scientific breathing known as pranayama. Mm -hmm. And I have found that, you know, the alternate nostril breath is very useful. Um, And I would do it two to three hundred times in the morning or in the evening, but empty stomach. And when we do alternate nostril breathing in the proper method, and I'm sure people can find teachers or videos to how to Mm -hmm. do it. Um, or you could invite somebody to show them how to do it. But uh, alternate nostril breathing balances out the hormones, uh, has a good influence on the pituitary gland, and just generally has, I'm speaking modern terms for the modern people, but really what it does from an Ayurvedic perspective is it balances the three doshas, and the whole body, which is going out of control, starts coming back to its normal. And uh, it can happen within one month. You will see a turnaround. So we can, you know, we can always keep up at the gym and we can always, you know, um, do some extra walking or running. But subtle exercises like pranayama, you know, you're just breathing from one nostril at a time. You might think, what's the big deal? I'm not burning calories. But what you're actually doing is redirecting the vitality, which and you actually feel more energized because fatigue is another issue with menopause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can, again, personally swear by it. Wonderful. It's, yeah, it's something that I do first thing in the morning most days. <laughs> I think, Rena, all you have to do, and honestly, now that I've seen you, is put up your photo and your age next to it, and that will do the talking. <laughs> <laughs> you are so kind. That is such an incredibly sweet, humbling compliment, Junior G. No, it's true. You I mean, I was so shocked kind. when you told me, you know, your life story and your age. And, you know, I was like, what? <laughs> you are so kind. I am so humbled to hear you say that. You are a spiritual teacher like none other I have ever met. Please share with our listeners a spiritual message as as we thank you for all this wonderful time that you've taken to share your brilliant insights with us. Share a little spiritual message for us with us today. I think you mentioned about the noise and how we women tend to want to have. We're nurturing, right? We, we like our nest filled with eggs and babies and all those things. So, you know, that's one thing. But I just want to remind every listener that when you came in, you came in alone and you didn't need anybody. 
and you're on a vast, amazing journey. So take the time to reacquaint yourself with you. And then once you know yourself and you will find that you're complete, then you can go back and have fun, but it will not have that same amount of depleting or stressful effect upon you. Um, I know that when I have a name, I have, a, a, you know, a public image and identity, but all of them are really mythology because I just got that name at a certain time. I was not born with that name. I'm just I. Mm. And I, I, and I always invite all my listeners, whether they're working on a physical condition or they're having a spiritual crisis that fall in love with your I mm. and everything else will work out. So beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you so much again for your time. For the rest of you that are listening to this podcast, we will be including links, references, and how you can access Shuniji as well as her book, which is listed in the Heal Shop on Healerpedia.com. And you can purchase a copy through through that link there. Keep in mind, based on everything you've heard today, you as a woman in transition, as a woman in menopause, can be a better version of yourself. You can be more creative, more beautiful, more happy, more joyous, and you can start a whole new chapter. So get started today. You have some great tips. Check out the, the show notes, and we will see you on another podcast. Stay smiling. Stay blessed. That's a wrap. Share your love with a five-star review and get show notes at healthbootcamps.com. Connect with us on Health Bootcamps Facebook and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out other great interviews and subscribe to the Get Healthier podcast today.